evening church. Nice, cozy uh, gathering we had this evening. Uh, hopefully all the, the uh, occupation and the, uh, the back pews is not because I offend up here. So with the, uh, the summer months and the wonderful humid Maryland weather, I know that we all tend to uh, perspire a little bit. So about a month ago, uh, an email was sent out to those uh, men of the congregation that are preaching with some topics that some other members of the congregation uh, would like to hear some more about or uh, would like to learn a little bit more about. And one of those topics that I looked at was, was prayer. And um, there are so many aspects of prayer that we could talk about, but being... Uh, Unknown, um, methodical, I guess is, is one term. Um, I went to uh, the source. I like to use dictionary.com to look things up, even though we do have a Merriam Webster on the shelf. And, you know, I've got kids that, that yell out, Dad, how do you spell whatever? And I, I say, you know, go to the dictionary, and I get the what's that. Um, in my house, dad is the dictionary. Uh, unfortunately, and you know, she's not here to defend herself, mom started that one. Uh, so, so I went to, to dictionary.com and looked up what exactly is prayer. And it had several different definitions. The first one is a devout petition to God or an object of worship. And so I looked up devout and it's earnest, sincere, or pious, petition being a request. And I thought to myself, self, because that's what I call myself, I said, that's, that's not a definition of what prayer is. The second one was a spiritual communion or sharing with God or an object of worship, as in supplication, thanksgiving, adoration, or confession. I think I like that one even better. And there were a few more, the act or practice of praying to God or object of worship. And that one I just felt was kind of okay. A formula or a sequence of words used in or appointed for praying, i.e. the Lord's Prayer. And I really didn't like that one. And I'll talk a little bit more about that one why later. Prayers or religious observance, either public or private, consisting wholly or mainly of prayer. That which is prayed for, that one seemed kind of self-defining. And then the last one was a petition or an entreaty, but that seemed kind of like the same as number one, but without something there to be praying to. So tonight I'd like to pull a couple of thoughts out of those, those definitions. When I think of prayer, prayer truly is something that is intimate. And unlike the... The definitions that were put there on dictionary.com, it's focused on God, not some other object of worship or not something general. It's focused on God. It's sincere. It's pious. And it truly is sharing with God. Prayer is how we communicate with God. Sometimes we might not even know how to put what we want or our thoughts and our words together. Anybody ever become tongue-tied? 
when they're trying to articulate something to somebody else? Any everybody ever been talking to their spouse and said the words, you know what I mean? Just me? Well, fortunately, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We have things that weigh down our heart, and even though we might not be able to articulate it, the Spirit helps us in prayer. And prayer is not something that we should do from time to time. God doesn't intend for us to have a, a distant or a periodic relationship. We're not supposed to be aloof and distant. He wants us to have a close personal relationship, each and every one of us, with him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes, beginning in verse 16, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually. Now, does this mean that everything we do, say, think, should be prayer? I don't believe that's, that's what Paul meant, but instead what he says is our lives should be continuously focused on God. The blessings that he gives us, the circumstances of our lives, and we should be thankful to God for them. We should remember that each day is a blessing from God. Every day that we wake up, God is sending us a message. God is telling us, the work that I have planned for you to do for me is not yet done. And I try to remember that every morning. Some mornings it's harder than others. You know, when that alarm goes off at 5 o'clock and i got to drive out to, to Reston, Virginia, over there by Dallas Airport, and fight that beltway traffic, it's hard for me to be pleasant. Especially before that coffee kicks in. It's very challenging. But I try to start my day with a prayer. That God will give me the faith to accept his will in my life that day. And there was a class on Sunday morning that, that Mitch taught, and he started every class with, this is the day the Lord has made. You got it. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So each day is an opportunity to further his glory in the things that we do on this earth. And we should be in prayer throughout our day. Whether it's to see us through our trials, or minor or major trials, or whether it's to be thankful for the blessings, both minor and major, that arise during our day. Even the disciples thought about prayer. In fact, they even came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and asked him, Lord, how should we pray? Teach us to pray. And he told them, beginning in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Now, I'm sure you've heard some people, you know, call this the Lord's Prayer, and they want you to memorize it verbatim. Like it's a rote incantation or, you know, just something you say over and over again. And I don't think that was what it was intended. I think what the Lord is saying that there are specific items you should recognize while praying. First of all, it recognizes the holiness of God. That his kingdom comes first and has primacy over all things. Right? Matthew, or Jesus tells us later in, in uh, verse 33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God's will, God's kingdom comes first. This prayer also expresses thanksgiving for all he is and all he does. Sometimes, while we're praying, sorry, I'll come back to that. The second part brings forward a few petitions, some requests. We say, give us our daily bread. We're asking God to take care of our needs. Not necessarily our wants. I can't honestly say that you know, one of my needs is a brand new Porsche to drive around or you know, the winning Powerball ticket? I don't need that. The Lord knows what I need and provides that. He asks us to forgive what we owe as we forgive those that owe us. And boy, there's, there's a real challenge in that. The parable, the unforgiving debtor, I think, draws that very clearly. And if you think about how much we owe God for sending his son to die for us, and the petty little things we hold against each other, we should have the same heart as God. And lastly, he says, don't... Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from Satan. Keep us away from sin. He knows that Satan prowls around us like a roaring lion. But we need to draw near to him, and he'll draw near to us. And so if we look at the definition of prayer we saw at the beginning of the lesson, part of that is putting forth petitions, showing adoration, expressing thanksgiving or confessing.
But sometimes we spend a lot of focus on, on asking God for things. But if you read through the Psalms, you'll see that David spent a lot of time thanking God for all that he had done for him. And remember that David is described after a man, as a man after God's own heart. But think about David's life. Was David perfect? Far from it. Committed adultery. Caused the woman's husband to be killed. Defied God. But still was considered a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 69 and verse 30, Psalmist writes, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. Think about how much God has blessed you in your life. And do we take the time to thank him? So when we're praying continually, one of those things we should be doing is being thankful. But when we do ask for things in God's name, we should be very careful of how we do that. I mean, Jesus tells us to ask God. Matthew chapter 7, beginning of verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And again in James chapter 4. Beginning in verse 4, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God is not some kind of vending machine that we go to when we want something. God blesses us when we seek to do his will and not our own. And there are great instructions in James chapter 5. Beginning in verse 13. He writes, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Isn't that powerful? And that's why I love to hear the prayer requests, the prayers of thanksgiving that are a part of our daily worship, or our weekly worship. Every time we gather together, we recognize God's hand in our lives. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're urged that petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all the people, for kings and all those in authority, that we, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So Paul told us earlier in Thessalonians to pray continually. But there are some times we need to set the stage for for focused prayer. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, my mother used to tell me that it was so loud in here she couldn't even think. And now I'm somewhat older. I won't necessarily give you wiser. But I know exactly what she's talking about. For some reason, my kids seem to think that <clears throat> 10 is the only setting on their volume knobs. So we need to take the time to establish the proper environment to pray. Jesus himself did it. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, We're told that one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And in Mark chapter 6, after feeding the 5,000, he went, he left his disciples and went up on that mountainside to pray. Being alone without the distractions of the world gives us the opportunity to focus on the nature of God and what he's done for us. And taking the time to be alone with God gives us the intimacy that he wants us to have with him. Going back to the definition that we talked about earlier, that communion, that closeness with God. And one more scripture, and then the lesson is yours. And this is the one I chose for this evening to wrap things up. The psalmist in Psalm 46 and verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So sometime this week, take a moment. Find a quiet place. And be still. Sit back and listen. Look around. See the signs of God in your life. Think about all he's done for you. And focus on that spiritual communion with him. And pray.
lesson is yours. If you have a spiritual need that we can help you with, I ask that you come forward as we stand and sing.